Hello and welcome to the 40M News Podcast with your host, James Coppert. Happy Halloween, everyone. How are you? This is James Copper, and this is kind of the 14 News Podcast. The journalists have been a little bit sneaky. I've been searching the internet and all the papers, as I do every single day, looking for news stories, and, and it was really dry. I was like, what's going on? But the sneaky journalists have saved them to release them in the run-up to Halloween, which is which is kind of like the past few days. So I haven't had a chance to put a proper show together, but I thought, I cannot do a show for Halloween. I just can't let everyone down who, who does listen so I also got an email from John in Hackney. So hello, John. Thank you for your email. And what John asked me is, how did I get into all this weird and wonderful stuff to the point where I end up doing a podcast? Now, I thought, actually, it's a long story. And it's quite a, a weird and scary story in some senses. So I thought, do you know what? Let's just do a show talking about that. And then I'll release the proper show later on this week. So for those of you who are interested, it's something I'm, I'm actually writing a book about at the moment. And you probably won't believe it. I don't believe it if I look back on it. But this is all true. So I've not written anything down. I'm just going to kind of do this off the cuff, tell you a narration of kind of my life and other weird and wonderful things that have kind of happened. I've said I'm not going to prepare anything I've not written anything I'm just going to kind of deliver this off the cuff I'm going to treat you as if you're my friend sat here listening to the story after asking me the question of how I got into all this stuff and I guess it begins as, as a toddler when I was a toddler I used to talk to someone in my house called Aggie and play with her we used to play games and my parents noticed that I'd only play with Aggie in the house but I'd go into another house and, you know, visiting friends or something. And I might start talking to someone who's the name of the friend's house's father who's passed away. Or another house, it would be an old English name like Gertrude that I've never even heard before. My parents noticed this very early on and, and thought it was rather strange that I could kind of do this. And, and my Dutch grandmother, my Omar, had told them that I clearly had some sort of mediumship ability that I was attracting spirits and she was someone who was very much kind of of that world as well but I don't think I'm unique in this I think most children have this ability and this comes up to my hypothesis that some of you may have heard me kind of talking about on other podcasts in my interviews now my parents didn't also have just this going on I was real trouble I would sleep for about two hours a day I was unbelievably hyperactive um, a real challenge and I was diagnosed from a very young age so significant was the acuteness of it with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder ADHD now my hypothesis is this that all children have the ability to connect and see with things of that aren't quite of this world you know the things that we might call ghosts or cryptids interdimensional beings all this type of thing there's still a hypothesis of, of what they are and how, how we do it. But children seem to have this innate ability. For some, you know, another example is a family I used to know, um, their, their daughter used to, when she was about three or four, used to talk to a little girl who lived in the basement. And 
they did some research, they asked for a full name and everything, and they actually found out that the little girl used to live in that house and had the bedroom in the basement. So I, th- I do think children have this kind of ability. And recently I'm um, in touch with lots of people that are investigating the paranormal who are, are mediums or class themselves as mediums or psychics. And a lot of them are autistic or also ADHD or they've got children that are autistic and on the spectrum. And there seems to be this common theme. So my hypothesis is this, quite simply, that children's brain develops into the adolescent's brain and they use that ability to kind of connect and interact with that other world um, for want of a better term. And I think people who are neurotypical or another way of saying normal but I don't like to use that word who their brain develops in the usual pattern and they lose that ability but for some people if they're neurodiverse so they have autism ADHD or something they they maintain that ability and there's other reasons for it as well having done a few interviews it's something I'm, I'm researching a little bit is that they're also more attuned and acutely aware of the senses people with autism. So their hearing or smell or sight might be of a greater level. So I've done hearing tests and my hearing is 20 years younger than it should be. So my hearing level is still really in tune as to what it should be for my age, for example. So I believe that there are some, not everyone, not every autistic person, not every ADHD person, but for some people, there just seems to be a higher proportion. And then the more people actually talk to that are mediums can can really relate to this. So it's interesting. I don't call myself a medium or anything like that, by the way. I just call myself someone that weird stuff has has always happened around. So the beginning was that, was just as a, as a small child, uh, talking to people and playing with people and really freaking out my parents really um i remember when i first started school we moved to a house in finham near coventry and waking up and there was a roman soldier stood in my bedroom with full armor um a shield everything and from later research i did find out that there could have been a roman guard post at, at this very point where my house was so it, it quite possibly could have been a uh, a residual kind of spirit that I saw. And I wasn't scared at that time. I, I was just kind of woke up and saw him there. I also could have been dreaming and, and hallucinating. That's true. Um, but I did the stupid thing of going to school and talking about uh, the things I saw. So I got nicknamed Ghost Boy. And having ADHD and being someone that sees kind of things, um, as a young child, it, it was quite difficult to kind of make make and maintain those friendships that that other children seemed to do, but it was okay. We, we we carried on, and I had two brothers who were born. And we eventually kind of moved, and I suppose the next kind of paranormal or 40 instant was we were actually doing something about our senses, talking about our senses of what we could uh, smell, see, and hear, and we went into the playground, the, the yard, and we all looked up, and there was a, a silver object a bit like an airplane but with no kind of tail or wings and so we all wrote in in our in our books exercise books that what did we see today we saw a ufo and that sparked my interest in ufo and i did a little drawing competition and won a book token and then but bought a book on on ufos with that but it was mainly kind of the the ghost stuff did freak me out it wasn't something i was comfortable with and, and really shied away from 
And eventually we moved to up north. We used to go on holiday in Scarborough by the seaside. And we moved up north to a little village called Brompton by Sorden into this medieval house. Now, this was a dream house. And I was maybe nine or ten when we moved up here. So this was the place where we used to come on holiday. And my my mother was into horses and wanted to set up a business, kind of looking after horses and breeding horses and, and selling horses stuff in a little shop. So everything was like really amazing that we'd got this house, a house where we actually went on our vacation. And for us, there was trees and uh, fields and a river we could play in. For, like, for us, coming from city to this little village, it was really exciting and wonderful. But from the moment we went upstairs and chose our bedrooms, we all avoided our parents' bedroom. None of us chose it, my two brothers and I. And kind of the first weird thing was how it all began in this house. And this does get quite dark, I have to be honest. Now, let me just state this really clearly right now. If I end, I've got children myself, and if I ended up homeless and had a choice of living on the streets and fighting for myself with my kids or being given this beautiful stone medieval house in this village, picturesque village, for free, I would not move into this house. There is an absolute evil darkness there. Now, you all might laugh and think I'm crazy, but let me kind of explain the story. People literally thought we, we were cursed, that our family was cursed because so much negative and dark things. Now, what's, what I'm going to tell you is quite dark and bad, but the reality is some of the worst things I can't, I can't tell you. I can't, it's not even public, um, only a couple of people know, and... It's utterly horrific. And when you hear some of the stuff I am going to tell you, and then you hear that I can't tell you some of the other things because it's so horrible, you will kind of realise that what I'm saying is, is true. So it began where I, I wouldn't go upstairs into, this, into my parents' bedroom. And... This was just after maybe two weeks of living there. My mum asked me to go and fetch her coffee mug down from her room. And although I was extremely hyperactive, um, I, I wasn't a naughty kid. And I refused to do it. And she was like, well, why, you know, go and do as you're told. And I was like, I, I don't want to, please don't make me. And this obviously like, well, what's the issue? You know, it's just the bedroom. And I said, I don't want to go in there because that's where, and I won't say his name, but the, the previous owner took his own life. And my parents were cross at this because they didn't think someone should have told a child of that age this information. So they were asking me where, where I'd got this information from, who had told me. And they were getting cross because I said, well, no one's told me. And they're like, well, of course someone's told you. Even though with my past experience, they, it's took them a while to believe that I just knew and I did know and I could really feel it in there and he did he took his life which is why this working class family managed to get this beautiful house um you know why why we ended up getting it and recently I I also found out that um the owner before the previous owner that killed himself had also taken his own life so that was two in a row and as you can see, as you're going to hear, the, 
the theme doesn't end there. And also the, the son of the person that took his own life ended up with a mysterious illness. I, I don't know if the gentleman is still around now, but I know that he got really poorly and they couldn't they couldn't work out what was wrong with him. So yeah, I, I used to look down at this, the corridor. So my parents' bedroom was kind of down a corridor at the other end of the upstairs of the house. And what was really strange... They've turned it into two holiday homes now, but at this far end was beyond my parents' wall. There was another big room that was completely walled off. You couldn't access it. So there was a whole kind of quarter of this house upstairs that was just derelict, hidden behind walls with no doorway or anything to go in there, which is, I know it sounds bizarre, but it's, it's really true. And I think my parents did want to develop it in at some point when they had the money to do so, but as you'll soon find out, um, getting money to do anything ended up not occurring. Now, the next thing was my parents just began to change. My dad, my dad lives in California now, and he's quite a typical Californian guy. So even though he's Dutch and then lived in England, he's very much the kind of chilled out, um, artistic, kind of laid back, easygoing guy with a, a good sense of humour. Um, and you know, my mum is very loving and caring and affectionate and both of them just completely slowly kind of changed personalities unrecognizable from, from the people that they are. And, and I really do believe that this was caused by this house. Now the first paranormal activity that kind of started was I would be downstairs and you would hear across the floor upstairs. And you would shout, hello, hello. But you'd know you'd be completely alone in the house. There'd be no one up there. And it seemed to do it more if you were the only one, you know, if your parents were outside or something, or you were just alone at the house, you would hear it more. And, and what was really strange is it would sound like they were running through walls. It was sprinting across the house, but running through walls as well, as if the walls weren't there. And my parents would try and fob you off, saying, oh, it's just it's just mice in the floorboards, but but mice go like this. You know, there's little patters. Not, this was loud. This was someone adult-sized sprinting, um, heavy and loudly, and purposely whenever no one was in the house other than you, or you and one other you know, your brother or something. When the adults were there, um, I mean, it might have done when when it, they were on their own, but when they were with us, it didn't seem to happen. It was almost like purposely there to scare you. And of course it did scare us. We, we didn't like being upstairs or in the house on our own. Um, and it got to the point where we didn't like being in the house at all and we virtually lived outside on our bikes and playing and looking back as an adult and reflecting, it's obvious that we just didn't want to be in the house. The next thing that kind of happened was we had just gone to bed and my brother Lawrence started, he's my middle brother, so I've got uh, Oliver and Lawrence, my two brothers, and Lawrence started screaming. And I was like, I was in my bed wondering what on earth is going on. And a man with a woolly jumper and a beard, had just stood behind his door, just appeared and was staring at him. And when you hear the word 
petrified. People use it quite often, but petrified in its literal sense means turned to stone. And I can see why it was used because he was petrified. He could not move. I've never seen someone in my life so terrified to the point where it took hours for him to be able to speak. He was shaking and just because of the, the fear and the adrenaline pumping in his system. He hadn't even gone to sleep yet and had seen this figure and it absolutely scared the life out of him. So he didn't sleep in that bedroom for for quite a long time. And of course, I was the eldest and I knew I could sense there was something else in this house and this just unnerved me even more. And I remember lying there in my bed thinking, oh no, oh no. I could sense something just dark in that house anyway. And for my brother to then see it just really got me even more worried and nervous and hating that house. But then things started to get even worse. So when I kind of hit puberty age, it's when the poltergeist activity really got amped up. So I would be just playing in my bedroom and something would fly across the room or I'd turn around and something would be kind of hovering in midair and then shoot across the room. This was just a normal kind of day-to-day experience. And when my friend Matthew came around, things would get even more kind of active. Now, Matthew... He also lived in a house in a place called Burniston that was also very old and had a smuggler's um, cave in the bottom of his garden that used to go all the way down to the beach. So here's an ancient house and things used to happen around him in his house. But when he was with me, um, the mixture of both of us together, and again, someone with ADHD, now if you're a spirit being a spirit or an entity and you need energy, then what a perfect combination. <laughs> and... I remember once I was just talking to him and we were both into like music and comics and we used to sit and read and listen to music and talk in my room and we looked up and this I had this uh, game and it had balls in kind of this thing and you used to have to roll it around to fit them in and it just shot off the bookcase right across the room. So from one side of the room to the other and then I had a foosball table and the balls in the table just started rolling up and down up and down now Matthew and I even went to the table and laid the balls and tried to get them to roll and duplicate what had happened and it just it just wouldn't it just wouldn't work now again when people say you know I oh, you must be hallucinating or a little bit mad another example I was outside um with my mum and she'd she'd got a few chickens and um we're both talking and I turned round and this metal bowl where she kept water to feed the chickens in was just kind of maybe six foot in the air and just kind of vibrating and shaking and both of us kind of looked at each other like, okay. And they just then dropped to the floor. And so things like this started happening that was, you know, things just moving around, the doors banging upstairs and the running amped up and increased and after years of living there, with it never happening before, 
puddles of water just suddenly started occurring in the kitchen and water started bubbling up from under the ground. Now, okay, if there had been some heavy rain that week, that could be understandable, but there hadn't, and there hadn't been any leaks anywhere when we asked the water company, and then that just stopped and never occurred again. Um, another summer... Uh, now, all this happened over years as well, so it's not condensed into, like, one year. We did live there for many years, and things, yeah, uh, one one summer, the whole house just became infested with flies everywhere, hundreds of flies everywhere. Like, you, you wouldn't believe it. Only downstairs, though, not upstairs. Um, other things that occurred, so my friend Sam came round, and... Sam, Sam's got a twin brother called Dave and Sam had thought that he had experienced some paranormal things in the past and his brother used to mock him completely about it because he was a complete sceptic and didn't believe but Sam came round and he turned and saw a little girl crouched down in the corner looking straight up at him um, which then vanished which of course really unnerved Sam as it would most people And what's peculiar is I didn't see this girl and I didn't see this old man that my brother saw, despite being someone that kind of sees things and it was just very strange. And interestingly, um, Sam's brother Dave once came to pick me up and we were going to go to a a nightclub for a CD launch party. And it was dark outside. It would have been about nine o'clock at night. We stepped out into the yard and there was this kind of fog that suddenly became solid fog in the shape of a woman wearing robes, holding a book, I'm sure she was holding a book, and striding deliberately across the the yard um, at quite a good pace. And then she kind of fizzled back out into this fog again and just vanished. Now, what was interesting when I wrote about this on, on a blog, someone else from the village, there is, there is a story, a legend called The Grey Lady, and she's seen um, up by the schoolhouse and by the church and the yard, but the, what she was wearing and, and matched exactly the description that someone else said they saw after I put that up. And she must have been on a journey from, from my house into the where the church is. There used to be a Roman villa next to this house as well. Uh, they used to find Roman coins and things, so that this place has been there for literally centuries. It's been there a long, long time. Now, when I said my parents changed, they really, really did. They both started suffering from terrible depression and they were unrecognisable as the people they were before. My dad barely spent any time in the house either. He was outside a lot um, in the outbuilding on his computer and was just a miserable, angry person when he lived there. And my mum was the same, just very negative and miserable. Uh, My dad ended up leaving and speaking to him uh, older um, when when I said, you know, what what was your kind of feelings and history of the house? And he said, his words to me were, if I didn't leave when I did, I would have killed myself. Now, obviously, that's significant. Um, When you relate it to the other two, people that had previously owned it had also done the same. And he then moved, he moved away to America. That's how far away he got 
from that house. Now, yep, three could still be a coincidence, but the amount of times I came home from work or college and one time I walked in and there was blood everywhere in the kitchen. And I was like, what's going on? And my, my neighbour was there with my mum and my mum had slit her wrists. And it was a genuine attempt at, at suicide. She tried to take multiple overdoses. And what's really strange is when I talk to her now about it, she doesn't remember. She's like, did I? I was like, mum... It's not something I'd make up or forget. You, you did. You were maybe up to 10 times she tried in just a few years to, to take a life and, and leave us kids behind, you know. By then she was a single parent and normal mum, even normal mum feeling down would never do that. It was like something took her over. And I remember, and it's quite difficult for me to say this and, and embarrassing in a way, but even as a 10-year-old child, trying to strangle myself and stood in the window trying to think it should I jump out or not now I had no reason to be like that okay ADHD does relate to depression especially in in younger ages but there was nothing so significant for me to consider taking my own life now that's three of us within just that family and the previous two owners who all did that but all of us brothers I've been affected at some point, attempted. And later on, which is very difficult for me to say, Lawrence, my, my middle brother, did end up taking his, his life. Um, he'd left the house, but speaking to my parents now, later on, they both sincerely do think that this house had a negative effect. My parents ended up bankrupt as well. Um, the business completely failed. Any other work just didn't didn't happen. Um, my mum used to work really hard to put food on the table to keep things going. But we even we, we could only afford to kind of heat one room in the house. My windows fell out, did, rotting, and we had to cover it up with um, plastic because we couldn't afford to get glass in. Things were pretty dire, and quite quickly it had gone from this dream home to a place of absolute darkness and despair and there was you know poltergeist activity continuously even in the night sometimes where I would um I had a cockatiel and it used to start hissing and it rarely did this it would do it if it was very very scared it would hiss and then it would start flapping crazy looking straight at something uh, as if it was attacking it and then straight after that it would wake me up obviously and so something would then fly across the room. And I, as strange as it seemed, I, I used to think that this entity began to follow me. And I went to my friend Tom's house, and there were five of us in his room. I used to be in bands and things, and we used to hang out a lot, listen to music. And I just said, oh, no, they're here with me now. And I don't know why I said it, but as soon as I said it, his, his cupboard doors flew open. Um, so I wasn't <laughs> welcome there that often or I was told to keep quiet and not say things like that and it used to really upset me that this thing would follow me I had another friend called Debbie and whenever I went round to her house the doors would start to slam upstairs the TV would turn on by itself even when I actually rang her on the phone she would say James I'm going now and I remember one time she was she was on her own in the house and I called her 
and she heard the TV turn on. She went to turn it off again, thinking that someone had just left it on. Um, and then she heard the door slam, and then the TV turned back on. So she said, I'm, I'm hanging up, and she, she went out and went out of the house and to her friend's house um, asking me not to call her again. So I was even getting banned from people's houses. Um, things happen. Now, there is RSPK. That's definitely uh, one one theory where people can project things with their mind psychokinetically. Uh, obviously, people with ADHD, this occurs in a higher frequency than, than other people. But this this whole thing with this, you know, that the different people saw things. And the only thing I saw was that woman, and I don't believe that was licked. I think that was residual. Um, it looked like a residual spirit. It didn't look like these other things that were there. Now, what was this? What was this thing that was causing all this stuff? Like I said, there was lots of different things going on as well. Just like the business would fail because of the luck. Anything that you would do or try, it would fail with bad luck. Um, this this climax, I'll, I'll tell you what I saw after, but if I just kind of tell you some of the things I can tell you, that I can't tell you the worst things. And yeah, it is worse than even my brother taking his life, really. Um, and if you knew what it was, you'd understand. But um, my my mum got this this guy just turned up and from the house after my dad left, literally a couple of days after my dad left. My mum didn't know him, and he has to borrow some. Uh, he has to borrow something, and I remember introducing him to my mum when he came to the door, and she definitely didn't know him. And this guy just ended up staying from out of nowhere, and then formed this peculiar relationship with my mum. And he drove her out into the middle of nowhere and tried to strangle her, tried to kill her. So that was that. <laughs> and I tell you, I said if I did actually write about people and believe it, it's all crazy. Um, and when I found out, obviously he he disappeared. Um, and then this these two guys turned up at the house. Um, I'd never met them before. They had Geordie accents, which is for those of you in America is from kind of the Newcastle area. And they offered me money to to kill this guy who had tried to strangle my mum, which obviously I wanted nothing to do with whatsoever. I probably would have killed him myself if I got my hands on him, um, figuratively speaking. But, yeah, I wasn't interested in that. And just all these strange, weird things. But um, we ended up losing the house altogether, which in retrospect is a good thing. Because my my mum was out riding a horse and something happened and... Chief, I wasn't there, but something had happened and she'd fallen off the horse. The horse had stumbled and, and rolled on top of her. And if she hadn't been wearing a riding hat, she would have would have died um, without a doubt. And the ambulance was, should have taken her to Hull, which is the head specialist. And instead they took her to Scarborough Hospital because in their words afterwards, they, they just didn't expect her to live. Uh, the brain injury was that severe and it was like having a toddler. And of course, at that time, we were struggling to pay the bills anyway, but that, that ended up being um, completely. So while my mum was in a coma in hospital, the, the bank repossessed the house and uh, I was homeless. Um, my brother needed somewhere to live as well. Uh, didn't have any food. Um, my, my other brother, Lawrence, was, was in jail. This was before he, he took his life. 
And um, yeah, things things really nasty. So my mum's still in in that. Still got some issues in terms of due to scarring on her brain. But the thing that I think caused all this um, negativity and just evilness, I was outside one night in the yard and I heard someone running behind me and obviously you turn around, don't you, to see what it was. And this thing ran straight past me as close as you possibly could without actually touching you. And it just dripped in a feeling of just evil and darkness and hatred. You just felt it. And the only way to describe it, and people say it was a shadow person. Now, I I do paranormal investigations and I've dealt with shadow people. I've seen shadow people. It wasn't a shadow person, but it was jet black, darker than the darkness outside. Um... There was no, it was in the form of a a human, but it was shorter. I'd say it was about five foot one. And it just ran past me and ran around the corner. And I just ran in the house. I didn't want anything to do with it. I didn't want to be near it. It just felt so horrific. Of course, that, that would be uh, pretty weird in itself, wouldn't it? If, if kind of the story ended there. Now, I ended up, um, obviously I was homeless and I needed somewhere to live and ended up bunking up with a guy called Alex in this flat. Now, what's really strange is my, my friend uh, Pat used to live in this block of flats and I used to go and visit Pat quite a lot. And coming down one time, this this guy who lived in the bottom flat, um, came out and showered at us for squatting. And we're like, we're not squatting, we've, we've just been to see Pat, our friend. And he's like, you've been squatting in the flat upstairs? I was like, we haven't been, honestly, we, I'm going now, we, we're not. But this guy died and I did end up squatting with Alex in his flat, just as a bizarre coincidence. Now, it was a miserable time, there was no heating, there was no proper electricity and lighting it was cold and miserable um but it was better than sleeping on the streets and alex is uh he's a cool guy um still have a lot of time for alex but things started happening in that flat now i think it was the previous tenant wasn't happy that the people accused of squatting were squatting his flat that's for sure he had a brain hemorrhage and alex actually cleaned up the sick (laughs) from what was left on the floor when when they took him away. And the landlady just had loads of properties and just didn't realise we were in there. And we used to stick a fork in the meter to wind the meter on so we didn't have to pay for the electricity that we did, we did use. Um, and things started happening such as in the night, normally it began, where we'd hear slight knocks on the door quite quietly. But mainly it was the door handle being turned. So it was on a spring as well. So we'd be asleep and we'd wake up and both of us would see we, this door handle kind of turning and springing. We, we didn't have bedrooms or anything. It was just two rooms and we used to just share a bunk bed and uh, I'd be on the top, Alex would be on the bottom and this door would be right next to the bed and we see the door handle turn and then spring up. 
And at first we thought it was other people in the flat, but it ended up only being Pat in the actual block of flats and the the other people moving out. Um, and Pat says, no, it wasn't me. And we used to sometimes even go out and there'd be no one there. And then um, it started escalating and amping up and Alex was getting more and more freaked out and it was actually quite affecting his mental health and he, he was struggling to sleep as well. And it, it climaxed uh, one, one evening. It was only around six o'clock and there was a at the door. Now, Pat, Pat was away this weekend as well, so we knew it wasn't Pat. And the front door makes a massive noise. You couldn't, if I gave you a million pounds and told you to open and close that front door without making a sound um, that I could hear and that, you, you couldn't do it, it's impossible. So we're like, we're sure no one's come in. So we, we checked, when we checked the front door was closed and it was, um, but then we heard another on the door and this is the internal door by, by our flat and we're like no that definitely was the door wasn't it so we opened it and no one there and we thought this is this is strange but again we still thought are we hearing things could it be could it be next door and then again we heard it and we're like no that definitely is that definitely is the the door now they haven't gone down the front door we would have heard them so they must be in the building so Alex and I looked around the entire building, all the hallways, knocked on Pat's door, he wasn't there. Um, there was no one in the other flats. Um, it was completely empty. So this this freaked us out. We're like, what's going on? But we still thought it was a human. We still thought there was someone there. But we thought, right, we're going to get him. So I stood with Alex right by the door. And again, there was a... But this time, I had my hand on the door handle and I was ready so as soon as they knocked, I opened it. And of course, there was no one there. There was no one stood there. Alex's face dropped. I shut the door. I just let it go because I was, you know, nervous and I had goosebumps. And just as I shut the door, violently, there was a really as loud as you possibly could get on the door. At this, Alex, Alex sat down. He, he felt like he was going to pass out, I think, if he hadn't. And I was quite terrified, to be honest. And um, just by chance then, <laughs> our friend visited and turned up at the window just where Alex was sat and knocked on the window. And, of course, Alex screamed and jumped. And he was like, what the hell's happened to you guys? And we told him the whole story. And I don't know, I still don't to this day think he believed us, even though he could see that we were terrified of what had just kind of happened. But... Alex moved out pretty much straight after that. He, he couldn't cope. And I lived there until some friends came round and saw kind of the state of the place and how desperate it was. And they actually offered me a property that they had to rent. Um, and I was really relieved to go out there. So I'd got a job. And I moved out into this other building on a place called Trafalgar Square. And there was nothing there. It was completely unhaunted. So that was really refreshing and uh i yeah that that was all right living there and then i they ended up after a few years selling it so i had to move out and moved on to a place called north moon road this is a strange road and walking down this road once i um i was suddenly felt like i was back in time there was people in victorian hats and dresses and 
there were a tram going past as well. And that lasted for maybe between four to five seconds. That was it. And again, I thought, what is going on? Am I just seeing things? And I did actually look it up and there was a tram line on that very road, which I didn't know. I saw it and didn't know, but I spoke to someone as well recently about this road. And she said this, it was a masseuse. um, And she said uh, that her friend last week, this was when she told me, was walking down that road and she saw this alien grey statue in someone's garden. And, oh, that's quirky. That was, you know, really funny to see someone. And, And it is one of the highest... Hotspots to see paranormal activity and UFOs in in the in the entire world is the North Yorkshire coast. But anyway, they they turned back to look at the statue and it had gone. But I just thought that's a nice little side to tell you. And um, I'd I'd met my ex-wife by then, and uh, this this flat, it was quite a nice feeling actually. But there was some weird things. So in the hallway, it used to sound like someone was throwing sheets of paper, and that was a regular sound. And it was only in the hallway. And there'd be a sound of almost Dickensy-esque uh, chains rattling. This wasn't very frequent. This was just just now and again. Um, and my my wife, um, ex-wife, woke up and saw a little boy walk in our room and then walk through the wall. Now this could just be. She still says that it could be her uh, dreaming, and yeah, it could have been. But this this was the house we were in when my, my brother, uh, Lawrence, took his life. And um, I'd been to, been to see him at the morgue and seen his body, which was like closure to, to see it because it doesn't seem real. And he'd, he'd driven his car as fast as he could into to a wall. And um, about three days after this, I woke up. It was... Um, I know I was awake. People could say I was dreaming. You, you, do, you do know you're awake and when you're not. And my brother was stood at the end of my bed. But he wasn't a spirit like I normally see. He was absolutely solid. He was just stood there. Um, and the fact that he was solid freaked me out more than... I think if it was like a kind of a ghostly translucent outline, I would have been like, hello, and pleased to see him. But he was solid in it. I remember putting the cover over my head going and waking my ex-wife up and saying, um, my brother's at the end of the bed and didn't quite know what to do, but then he'd vanished. And strangely, my my granddad was asleep in the afternoon that day and he felt someone pull his glasses and he looked up and he said my brother was stood there and also my mum turned around and saw him all on the same day as if he was doing his rounds before he went wherever he was going now obviously in between all this I'd, I'd seen ghosts everywhere um whether it's ghosts whether it's i'm seeing things from other dimensions or what I, I do see them and things move and happen around me um not not much else happened in this flat and then we got offered this house to rent so the house that i'm still in now which has its own story um again weird smells would come i hated this house as soon as I, the first time i moved into it um weird smells would would come at certain times of the year and then disappear 
Um, I we wanted the middle room, but I said no. There's something in the top room, and I don't want my my kids in that top room. So we ended up taking the top bedroom. Now every kid that's ever been in this house has hated the top floor until we got rid of what was there. Uh, my ex-wife's brother, um, when he was a child, absolute um, pooed his pants literally, not in the metaphorical sense because he was too scared to go to the toilet even with us with him um he just wouldn't didn't want to go that was preferable sitting in his own dirt than going upstairs my my son used to hear footsteps again um we'd be downstairs and he'd hear someone walking upstairs and i remember i was upstairs once wrapping some birthday presents and a carrier bag just picked up off the floor and and went across the room and my my wife and I separated for for many issues. Um, kind of, she she had uh, dependency on on drink, and so the kids stayed with me. And um, I I met someone else, and and she ended up moving in, and she completely changed personality. And she, this said, she said the second that she walked into this house, she felt an anger take over her, and things were just again. It was that repeat of, of some of the other things previously. And in the end, we got Abby Ghost Hunters in, who are amazing. And what what was incredible is um, my friend Sean, all he told him was that I had a problem in my house and um, I needed help and that my name was James. That was it. Now, it was on the top floor and I felt like it was a woman and it was someone from the 1940s. Now, Angie, um, I'd let Sean in, but Angie's disabled and she was taking a bit longer. And I stood in the hallway and she came to the doorway and said, I've seen her. I've seen her. She's in that top top room, isn't she? And she pointed to my, my bedroom, which is on the top floor. I said, yeah. She said, yeah. She said uh, she, was, she lived here in the 1940s and I just couldn't believe it. And she said she's called Rose and she said she has never met a more angry, hostile spirit. And she thought... Um, what what she told me is that she thought that she was still here and we were the intruders and she was fed up. So I did what they had to do to get rid of that. Um, and so the paranormal was something I shied away from. But in that time, I then started working um, in this other building in Filey. And again, I've done whole interviews on this, um, I'm, I'm sure. All of you are pretty bored now of hearing me rambling on of my story. But this this place, um, without going into great detail, something would happen every time you went in. And um, even before I worked there, there were stories. So um, I was told that there were dorms on the top floor and three workers witnessed um, bedding from three different rooms being thrown out into the central corridor. Three witnesses saw that at the same time, this bedding all at the same time being thrown out of those rooms. Absolutely incredible. And um, they they went in the loft and they found a load of pigeons in a circle there. Um, previous managers, and this is county council property, and managers had actually got exorcists in to deal with it. But I started working in that building and it became a bit of a paranormal playground. And of course, whenever I went in there, stuff would happen. And I could start getting in and enjoying it because it was more trickster and playful 
whole rooms were rearranged overnight. They changed the locks. The rooms still got rearranged overnight. Um, things would move on command, um, even beds with people laying on it. But then things started getting a bit negative and creepy again. And I'd have young people who wouldn't go in again because they'd see apparitions or I was playing pool with one young person and a ball would drop from the ceiling and then the the curtains jumped out at me when I went to see what had happened. Ten doors all at once would close uh, on the floor. Um, one one land, there was banging everywhere and he's like, what? I was like, oh, it's just the room settling. Don't worry, it's nothing else because I, I used to try and not tell them that it was haunted because I didn't want to scare kids. And as if as soon as I said it, as if to say, no, it isn't, there was a massive bang on the wall, a massive bang. And while I was I had my head down writing a form, he screamed and ran out and he saw a woman appear and walk through the wall. Another guy ran out because he, uh, someone in a hood ran towards him. When I eventually persuaded him to come back in, just on the bottom floor, there was like <laughs> static, just appeared around the room, wherever he were. Um, what are some of the other stories? Another guy um, just, he told me, he didn't know I worked there. And he said that he, he sees Jeff. I was like, who's Jeff? He says, the ghost. I was like, oh, right, is he haunted? And he says, yeah, they were upstairs. And they were telling the ghost to scare the girls. And it threw a pillow across the room. And all the girls ran out and the boys stood and laughed. And while the boys were laughing, um, multiple doors to the lockers started going slam, 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 which, of course, the boys then start getting scared. Now, when it's getting to the point where we had members of staff refusing to work in there and we were having to hire rooms because um, young people wouldn't use it, it's costing us money, we, we ended up getting Abbey Ghost Hunters in there to kind of deal with it. Now, the second they went upstairs, these, these are pros, like they really are pros. The equipment, all the batteries had died. Now, they charged everything. And yet, when we went in there, all the batteries died straight away. So they had to recharge their equipment. Now, we've got EVP, where um, Mark says, we're going that room next, and there's a voice, which wasn't anyone's voice that was on there that evening, went, and what thou asked, which is old English for it, and then what are you going to do? Um, we had, we walked out of the, one, one thing that would frequently occur would the, there was a drum kit and it would be played when no one else was in the building or upstairs, people would hear it. Even people that didn't know it was haunted would hear it. Um, one, one worker would rang the office that we were in asking us to come and pick her up because she refused to leave because she heard loud bangs outside the door that sounded like metal girders being dropped. It was that loud. And then the drum kit playing. And then when I was the one who went to get her, we heard, again, it was like a metal girder dropping out. And things started getting dark with them after we got the Abbey Ghost Hunters in. But what was strange as well, um, I started getting vertigo. They were trying to fight this this entity and we saw it like a shadow person um, was stood there and just dropped to the floor as if it just melted and sank to the floor. Um, and this one lad who, and I asked the whole team, did you know, did he know who I was? And he didn't. He was from out of area, and all he knew was my name was James. And he walked in, and he was getting really affected by this entity. So they hypnotised him. And when they were asking for his name, he turned to me, looked me in the eyes, started laughing, and said, Lawrence, which of course is my dead brother's name. There is no way on earth. And I asked them multiple times, the rest of the team, did you tell him that? And there's no way... 
to, to know that, he must have known my surname, which is, with the only, it's a Dutch name, and we're the only coppets in the entire country. Um, to, to just pull that out of thin air was incredible. And Lawrence isn't a common name, is it? After that, I had things like ligature marks on my hands in this building. Um, and people started having their hair pulled. Another per- worker went in the cupboard, heard someone come up behind her, and something growled in her ear. And when she turned round, it wasn't there. And even workers who refused to believe in it. Um, so Ian went upstairs um, because the other workers were too scared and he didn't believe in it all. So he went upstairs to pack the equipment away and he heard a massive bang right behind him. So he said, he came back down and said to the other workers, if you're going to take the mick out of me, you two can go and do it. They were both like, we haven't moved in. We've been stood here. So he's like, right. And obviously he was scared then. So he says, right, you could come with me. So they both went upstairs and again there was another bang and Ian felt someone stroke his head and they both turned, <laughs> ran downstairs. Before they ran down, got through the bottom door, they heard the person who refused to come upstairs scream and when they got there he said a figure had run downstairs before they had, run through the door and run straight through him. Um, other things, we it was a real trickster so I'd do things like we had a camera and we say, right, I want you to move this ball using our energy up to the ceiling, which it did. Um, and we're like, we finally, this is proof, we've got it on camera. And when we looked at the footage, the camera had turned around and was it was the front camera and it was filming, the guy was filming its chest instead of what was going on there. Uh, in the room that was being rearranged all the time, I put up a trail camera which picks up movement and starts recording. And the only thing it recorded was the cleaner and me going back in to pick the camera up. So, uh, and of course, the next night, uh, after I took the camera out, the whole room was rearranged. There is so much to talk about this building. Um, as I say, the Grave Talks, I did a whole show about it. But that got me interested in a different way. And I started doing paranormal investigations. Um, my, my job, I work as a youth worker and children and families work and have always been involved in helping people and we work very much in that way but I have got loads of stories about um more UFO stories um stories of strange kind of glitches in the matrix um I've got a story where two people have seen me waving at them in my office when I wasn't there as well but I'm going to tell those on Jim Hell's campfire and I'm going to go to bed because I'm literally falling asleep and it's half two in the morning and I've got to get up to take my daughter to a Halloween party first thing in the morning. So that's how I got into it all. I hope that wasn't really boring and I haven't just sounded like a madman rambling on. Thank you so much for listening. Um, just before I go, as I say, I want to um, wish you all a massive happy Halloween. I hope you have a really lovely time. I hope this hasn't freaked you out too much. Um, the negativity has kind of stayed with me a little bit where I have... Uh, I've got lots of wrong with me in terms of physically. I've got fibromyalgia, arthritis, hypermobility, two slip discs, um, but I have lots of positives. So the um, the the lady who moved in with me and eventually moved out because she felt angry whenever she was in this house as if she'd taken over. Uh, I'm still with her, although she moved out. We're very much in love. I've got three amazingly wonderful children. So life's pretty good. And I do this podcast and I enjoy it. And I've got you guys who listen, that part of my family now as well. Um, so, yeah, I've had a lot of darkness. Um, 
and it was a, vi- a violent, nasty, horrible upbringing in that that house that was due to an entity. Because as soon as my parents moved out of that house, obviously my mum took a while to recover. They're completely different human beings, so it isn't. It wasn't them. Um, yeah, I'm just glad no one lives there. I have tried to get back in with my team to try and deal with what was there, but the current owners are not interested in in having us there, so that's up to them. But at least no one's living there. At least anyone that goes in is just on holiday. I've rambled on for a long time, so I will do a proper show. I've got loads of stories this past couple of days, and I'll type it up and create a new podcast for you all. So apologies for this ramble on, but at least you know why I'm interested in the fourth Hiana because it's always been interested in me. And as they say, when you look at them, they look straight back at you. Happy Halloween, everyone. Stay safe. Good night.